We've been on a journey with Jesus these last six weeks. We've been with Jesus at night. We've been with Jesus at a well. We've been with Jesus um, uh, on the road to Calvary. Uh, This past Friday night, we journeyed with Jesus all the way to the cross. Full surrender. In Luke chapter 9, we read these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. This morning, our journey with Jesus takes us to a garden with an empty tomb. I'm wondering if you could help me out this morning. All right, I think you guys will know what to do. Uh, we can start this video. 10, 9, 8, come on, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All right. Now, depending on uh, uh, perhaps what uh, you're counting down determines what you say when you get to the end of a countdown. Maybe it is blast off. How many of you enjoy watching the rockets take off from Cape Canaveral and other places? I enjoy those videos to this day. Maybe it's Happy New Year's. Maybe it's summer break, if you're like my boys or my wife. Maybe it's go. Whenever you count down, it builds excitement. Usually, if there is excitement that awaits, normally, if there's a large group of people, you know that the countdown speeds up the closer it gets to zero. Um, Because there's excitement, there's something new, there's something amazing on the way. Did you notice no one is outside the tomb on Sunday morning counting down? Even though Jesus had told them plainly, clearly, exactly what was going to happen, on more than one occasion, nobody, hey guys, it's Sunday morning, let's get together, are we ready? 10, nobody is at the tomb counting down. The disciples were in shock. I mean, their heads were spinning. When the disciples and Mary went into the tomb, they thought Jesus' body had been stolen. Peter takes off for the tomb and, and walks away wondering, what happened? If you've ever wondered Is this story true? We're not going to spend a lot of time there this morning. And if you're questioning, is this story true? I would love to talk to you after the service uh, more about that. But consider the fact that gospel writers documented their own disbelief and that of their friends. If you or I were going to write this story, if these gospel writers were going to make up this story, you would think they would paint themselves in a better light. They were concerned with the truth. And the truth of the matter was, these people had given up all hope. So we're going to pick up the story. Uh, Some of you were able to be here at sunrise this morning. We read the beginning of John chapter 20. But if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, you can turn uh, there with me this morning. We're going to begin reading in verse... Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. 
At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. We say thanks be to God. Mary Magdalene was an eyewitness of the resurrection. Oh, to be Mary in that moment. Can you imagine overwhelming sorrow? In a moment, the snap of a finger turns into overwhelming joy. Just before this moment of unspeakable joy and gladness that I'm sure was Mary's, Mary faced a couple of questions. I want us this morning to consider those questions for a few moments. The first one is this. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? This first question Mary has actually is asked of her twice, once from the angels and another time from Jesus himself, even though she didn't recognize it was Jesus. Mary's grief must have been so heavy, and I'm sure it had taken over her entire being. She's in the presence of angels, And she's struggling to think clearly beyond what she is convinced has happened to the body of Jesus. I I don't know where they have taken him. Perhaps the angels were asking out of curiosity, don't you know Jesus has been resurrected? Jesus is alive. Doesn't she know? Jesus asks, why are you crying? I think from a place of compassion. His heart was moved by her tears. He knew the answer, but he wanted her to say it. She could have responded with, I'm, I'm fine, really, I'm good, nothing. No, don't worry about me, I'm, I'm good. But no, that's not how Mary responds. Mary is honest. This morning, perhaps you're carrying a massive weight on your shoulders. And I would ask you, why are you crying? Why are you crying this morning? There could be as many different answers to that question as there are people present today. Even for those of us who know the Lord, tears are a part of our existence. There's a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford He was a great man of faith. He lived in the 1800s. He had a number of tragedies strike his family. Uh, One of his sons passed away at the age of four. Uh, He experienced great loss in the Chicago fire of 19, or excuse me, 1871. But the greatest tragedy was losing four children at the ages of 11, 9, 5, and 2 in the Atlantic Ocean after a ship that they were on sank. Horatio's wife was on the ship as well. 
she managed to find a, a plank of wood and was able to hold on to that until help arrived. As soon as Horatio received word, he boarded the ship to go and be with his wife. On his way to meet and be with his wife, uh, they passed the area where the ship that was carrying his family had sank. When they reached that point, Horatio penned the words to the great hymn, It is well with my soul. And if you're familiar with that song, you're familiar with these lyrics. Sorrows like sea billows roll. Have you been there? Why are you crying? It's easy to, to put yourself in Mary's shoes today, perhaps. What's been taken away? Mary isn't the only one who has stood next to a tomb battling tears. Our church family has been struck this week with a couple of deaths in our family. You still may be stinging from the death of a loved one. You may be hurting because of a recent diagnosis you or someone you love has received. Your eyes may be filled with tears because of problems with your kids, perhaps failed dreams or relationships, a never-ending condition, uh, maybe nonstop tension. The list, we could go on and on. The list is endless, but Jesus sees your pain and cares about your suffering. None of us are immune to tears. Tears come to all of us. And when Jesus is standing before you asking, why are you crying? Perhaps the tendency and the natural response is to say, nothing, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine. I want to encourage you, stop pretending. Honestly admit your pain to Jesus. Don't just sniff and, and say, I'm okay, I'm okay, really. I'm, I'm fine. Be honest with Jesus. Why are you crying? The second question that Mary has asked us that morning, who is it you are looking for? Who is it that you are looking for? Even though Mary didn't recognize Jesus, her answer showed her deep love for him. Sir, if you've carried him away, please just show me where you have put him. I will go and get him. You don't even have to go. I will go and get him. I just want to know where Jesus is. I just want to know where he's at. What is your goal in life? Everybody's looking for someone or something. They're searching for truth, for purpose, that, that one secret that will make their lives better. Everybody is looking for the newest and the greatest, and the latest, the next big thing, trying to accumulate more and more wealth. And many people spend their entire lives scrambling up the ladder of success only to get to the top and realize that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. Solomon, the wisest man besides Jesus, once wrote these words. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Mary knew what the one thing was. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is at the home of another Mary and her sister Martha. He said to a frantic, angry Martha, Martha, 
Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things, but Mary has found the one thing that won't be taken away from her. Mary was with Jesus. Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus. Mary was listening to Jesus. Mary Magdalene had battled seven demonic appetites. And Jesus radically changed her life. She knew Jesus is my everything. He is my one thing. A relationship with Jesus is the one thing that will give your life meaning. Who is it that you are looking for? Who is it that you are looking for? Jesus couldn't conceal himself any longer. And I love this. He simply spoke her name. Mary. Mary. Mary's eyes are immediately opened. And she worshiped him. Her despair in a moment turned into great Delight, Mary found who she was looking for. Can I tell you this morning? Jesus knows your name too. Jesus knows your name too. I am terrible with names. Anybody else with me? I can remember faces, but names I I really do struggle with. Aren't you thankful we don't serve a God that has to be reminded what your name is? Jesus knows your name. This morning, do you hear him calling your name? Do you hear him calling your name? I have a friend that shared a quote about resurrection a couple weeks ago, and, and I just could not get away from it. And it's the point this morning. It comes from an author, a theologian by the name of Frederick Buechner. And here's the quote. Resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. Aren't you thankful? Resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. The God who remained apparently silent on Good Friday is having the last Word. It's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 can say, death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, where, oh, death, is your victory? Where, oh, death, is your sting? You've got no more power over me. He goes on to say, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's why we can sing. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You guys know it? Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know.
we can sing and believe and know it is well with my soul. Why? Because resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. Why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Do you hear him this morning calling your name? Our faith is not tethered to an imaginary God who does not allow bad things to happen to good people. If you're here this morning and and you've lost faith in God because of the evil in the world or because of your pain and your suffering, suffering, will will you hear this? Jesus didn't come to eliminate suffering, but rather he enters into it with us, even to the point of death. And through his death and through his resurrection, we don't have to fear the power of sin and evil, even death itself anymore. For those who are willing to journey with Jesus, to follow Christ, no matter what life throws at you, even death itself will not have the last word. The worst thing is never the last thing. Maybe this morning, You're here and you've lost your faith in God. Sin has taken you down paths that are dark, dark, dark times. And you may be wondering, is there any way out? Does my life even matter? Does anybody care? Is there any hope? Can I encourage you? Do you hear him calling your You might be hanging on by a thread this morning. Can I invite us all to listen? To listen, do you hear him calling your name? You may say, you know, I I believe Jesus died. I believe he was resurrected. I believe that, I heard the stories. Maybe I went to church when I was a kid. Maybe even prayed a sinner's prayer when I was a kid. Me and God, we're we're good. Can I I ask you a a follow-up question this morning? Does the resurrection make any difference in your life today? There's a big difference between believing that something happened once upon a time and believing that Jesus is alive now and is present with us and and having an active and dynamic relationship with him. I shared at the beginning of the message this verse from Luke chapter 9. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and, and take up their cross. The rest of the verse says this. Take up their cross, say it with me, daily, daily, and follow me. Daily take up our cross and follow him. Does the resurrection make any difference in your life today? What about tomorrow? If you aren't sure of the answer to that question, can I invite you? Do you hear him? He knows your name. Do you hear him calling your name? The truth is, it was the presence of Jesus that made all the difference for Mary and those disciples. Is Jesus really your everything? Is Jesus your one thing? You and I can live every day in the presence of Jesus Christ who is alive and and gives us 
hope when nothing else in this life does. And when you really believe in the resurrection, you become a possessor of this real life, even when everything else around you in this world screams death. This is about opening your heart to the presence of Jesus who will, by his spirit, take up residence in your life, who offers you forgiveness, who offers you peace and a sure hope. Are we listening? Do we hear him calling our name? I'm going to invite you.